0: Let's read three passages of Scripture to introduce today's topic. It's one that we've, we've touched on, not touched on, we've hit previously, but I'd like to use these uh, because I, th- I think these Scriptures serve as an excellent uh, introduction for what we want to cover today. Matthew 24. Mr. Franks, in his message, as I, as I mentioned during announcements, talked about certain, certain markers or certain things that... Uh, Show us that we 're in a certain season this season of being in in the end time and and some of the things that couldn't have happened then based based on the nature of them of, of people going to and fro across the earth and knowledge being increased and you know just that that example of of looking at the uh, after the industrial revolution, just this short period of time in, in the way that knowledge has just just continued to uh, multiply in uh, gigantic proportions. Uh, and, and also the thing of, of traveling to and fro and the way we can go from here to there uh, immediately uh, and within just a few hours time, we're, we're here on the other side of, of the earth. Uh, that was one example. Uh, se- several examples uh, were, were discussed. Uh, the things of, in thinking about the two witnesses and, and their, uh, their ultimate, uh, prior to Christ's return, uh, of, of being martyred. And, and every eye will see. How, how, how could that happen back around Christ's time? Every eye, you know, everybody would know, uh, and, and the people of the earth, uh, is, is especially connected with the beast power, cheering in, in great joy to see these individuals, these servants that we know are servants of God, to have died. But just some technological things that would cause that to be able to happen. I'd like to talk about uh, an element of that of, of this today, and and this is not necessary. Well, the first part is, is somewhat prophetic, and some things that we've touched on here in the last couple of months. But I'd like to use this to introduce our topic. Matthew 24 verse 8, familiar passage, you know, Olivet prophecy, as they're they're talking about the 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 signs of of what of what is to come. Nation, uh, all these are the beginning of sorrows, as it says in verse 8, looking at verse 7, you know, all the things that would lead up to that, you know, The parallel the, the uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and will be hated, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now we spent some time talking about lawfulness and and lawlessness a couple of times ago, but one of the one of the markers uh, that we are in uh, the the. End age, or the end of the age, in that particular season, when, uh, as we know, the 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 plant starts to uh, show leaves. The fig. We're we're in that that time period, uh, the season of leading up to the return of Christ. But this this concept of lawlessness abounding, and, and what the what lawlessness res, uh, how what results from that lawlessness. Do you ever get worn down by our increasingly lawless-driven society? It's wearing me down. It is. It, it truly is wearing me down. I, I think of just one uh, particular area of, of the recent shootings. I don't know. How many of you have heard this? Raise your hand once once you know. This is your actual hand, not mental hands like last time, but actual hands. Uh, the situation of the dad in uh, in. In the uh, driveway, playing basketball with his six-year-old daughter, and the ball bounces out and out through the driveway into the neighbor's into a neighbor's yard. The girl goes to get the basketball, and the neighbor shoots the girl as as she came on the property. She survived. How many of you are aware of that? I mean, I mean that's just tragic. I think she got shot through the cheek, uh, and then uh, I think part of her leg or something. But. But uh, and then, then you hear the girl, and I, I, I can't believe that they uh, interviewed the girl, but she was interviewed and, and she said something to the, the effect of, uh, you know, what this person, this man that did this needs to go to jail and he needs to stay there for the rest of his life. Uh, but you think, how could how could someone do that he didn't he not only shot her but i think he shot the dad i don't know if the dad was trying to go get her or or what and then shot somebody else i guess the guy turned turned himself in later Uh, you've heard a recent story of the person that uh, the the teen that was going to pick up his brother or sister at 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 a neighbor's house Uh, at a person's house down the street, and he went and knocked on the wrong door. He just got confused, knocked on the wrong door, and the person shot him. Uh, Another situation where uh, some teens or younger people were in a car, and they pulled up mistakenly into a wrong driveway, and the person came out of the house while they're still in their car and shoots them. Uh, You think, how in the world? How how in the world? What is happening in the mindset of people, now, now, granted, I think I haven't studied further into it or read much more on this with the situation of of the individual who shot shot the girl, but but you know, obviously, I think obviously there are some mental issues there, but but to to be in a mindset to where a person could do that is that not Driven by lawlessness, uh, you know, some would say, you know, you think of uh, you know vigilantism, and and this is not this is not a sermon about gun control at all. Uh, but but you know, the thing of I'm going to protect my property. You've got the individual. Another story. I was talking with a guy after services uh, in in Sherman after I gave this, and he said, "You remember the story about?" The, the police who were called to, to settle a domestic dispute. So, so they went to the house and they went to the wrong house. And they're knocking on the door, nobody comes to the door. Uh, keep knocking on the door, nobody comes. And then uh, they're, they're walking down, uh, down the sidewalk to go back to the police car and, and try to assess what they're doing. And then the guy comes out of the house. Uh, it was the wrong house. The guy came out of the house. I don't know if lights were flashing on him or what, but he had a gun in his hand. It's like, you know, who's coming onto my property? He got a gun in his hand, had the gun up and the police shot him and he's dead. You know, you, and you think this, this is kind of the, the society in, in, which we, in which we live. Is, is that not, I, I speak of lawlessness. Let, let's think about lawfulness from the standpoint of the two great commandments. What's, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Now, as I think about that, if I'm to love God with all my heart, mind, and soul, I am hopefully striving to develop the mind of God in, in my love towards him. Hopefully, I am developing that mind that is God-like to, to view humanity as God does, to realize that it is God's prerogative to take, take life. Uh, it is not mine. I commit that. I commit that. That to God. Uh, in verses, uh, I'm going to take the law into my own hands—a a, vigilanteism—and and to think about the second great commandment, uh, to love our neighbor as ourselves—and these kinds of things served as the epitome of, of a lawless society to where I, I am not thinking of the great commandment in, in loving my neighbor as myself. I start with coming to the door looking to see who's here so I can shoot them, you know, as the guy I talked with uh, said. If, uh, if somebody's banging on your door uh, and you don't know who it is, don't open the door, you know. But, but to come out with a, a, a gun, it's like, what are you doing on my property? Uh, and I'm, I'm going to take you out. If, if you don't get off my property right now, imagine imagine our society, and we're seeing that already in, in, in our in many of our cities as as things unravel more and more, uh, as, as things become greater uh, fractioned off, and and we have less and less of a of a love towards neighbor as ourself, ourselves ourselves uh, kind of mentality. Imagine how this is just going to go out of control, and. You know, we look at this passage in Matthew 24 that says, because lawlessness abounds, the love of many wax will wax, well, wax cold. And we think of ourselves as God's people to, to continue to have that love for one another and love for mankind. But imagine... How this is going to happen on a worldwide scale, or especially in our nation, as, as our nation deteriorates and and we have less and less of a, a of a lawful society we're seeing that already in in some of the big cities where where businesses are just shutting down because they they can't manage the shoplifters and, and the stealing and, and all that's going on. These kinds of things are going to increase and and how are are, are we prepared? Uh, are we prepared? Are we preparing our minds to say, I am setting my mind on, on lawfulness. I am, I've got to, as I see these things deteriorate around me, I've got to keep in my mind that uh, my love for God in his way of life, in striving to develop his mind, and secondly, to love my neighbor as myself. It gets harder. We either we, we, we find ourselves getting jaded. We get numb to it. I don't want to hear this. Uh, and or at the same time it's just like you know I'm cold I'm, I'm cold to all this let the, let the world do what it's going to do I'm just dealing with me and and that's where I, that's where I'm going to stay a self-absorbed kind of situation second passage these two we've we've covered uh, but I, I want to cover this again because this leads to what we want to cover today second Thessalonians 2 the man of sin the son of perdition, the one who's later talked about as the, the false prophet. He leads, he is the, the final, uh, what would you call it, iteration of, of the, the, the little horn, this, this religion that has gone down through the, the ages, the seven the seven resurrections of the seven elements of the Holy Roman Empire down through time—not uh, just the ten, but the, the last seven—where the, the church combines with state. But this whole uh, religious element to the final, uh, the final uh, aspect of the beast power uh, that is led by a single individual in that role uh, prior to the return of Christ. Second Thessalonians two. Most are ahead of me in, in where we're going with this with respect to lawlessness. Starting in verse 6, And now you know what is restraining, that he may re- be revealed in his own time. And I won't go into the details of that, but some think that this may be saying that even lawlessness itself is is being held down or restrained until that, that's going to completely be unrestrained as as. This individual gains in power and influence. For the mystery of lawlessness, Paul says, is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. And then this lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. We know Matthew, I'm sorry, Revelation tells about that. Revelation 19 talks about Christ returning, defeating the armies. And then he, he gets the beast and the false prophet and casts them in the lake of, lake of fire. He will destroy them. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one, though, is according to the workings of Satan. His direct abilities and power are, are Satan generated. It's according to the way Satan operates. Uh, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who are perishing because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this reason god will god will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness an individual comes on the scene at the end of the age promoting a false christianity he's not just he's just not he's not just promoting uh, this or that. He, he is promoting Christianity and he's promoting it in a false way. And he will continue to do so until he is ended permanently at Christ's return. Uh, all of this occurring uh, you know, before the dragon and his demonic realm are tossed into the abyss for a thousand years. But we've got this final resurrection of, 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 the, uh, of the Holy Roman Empire, the false Christianity that is lawlessness at its core. Lies, blasphemies, deception, twisting, of, of the word of God. This religious figurehead which leads the false church, the, the false church which is that harlot that rides the beast as we, as we see in, in Revelation 17, uh, the beast, the civil, the military, government. This, this, this leader is capable of phenomenal miracles. He can deceive the masses and he is the final iteration uh, who works with great power and authority to have influence over the nations giving power to the beast. Now Matthew seven, the third passage, Matthew seven, Matthew seven, verse, verse fifteen. I, I think we would say that this this person uh, has has not been revealed yet. Is this person alive? Is he is he is he on the scene yet? In the shadows. Uh, we haven't seen it openly revealed yet but, but we don't we don't know when that time will come we know the season is ripe for it but but we don't know if it's if it's within weeks that this person will will come to power or or years matthew 7 verse 15 matthew 7 verse 15 gives us the other element that i want us to think about today as we discuss this topic here in just a few minutes beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or, or th- figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Uh, Joseph was a, a, a good tree, wasn't he? As God as God worked with him, as was talked about in the, in the sermonette, and as he yielded to God, yielded to God, God he bore good fruit. Uh, with with the blessing of God, with God's direct intervention in his life. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. There are going to be many who are saying, Lord, Lord. And... Uh, that will not be following God's ways down the stretch. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. Notice what it says there. You who practice lawlessness, lawlessness. We've talked about lawfulness uh, over the last uh, several months. I want to talk about an element of lawlessness today. Christ says that the, the servant uh, is blessed who is found so doing when the master comes. He's faithful, he's wise, he is ready, and he's watching. His love hasn't waxed cold. He is striving to, to fulfill the the master's wishes of having love towards God and love towards neighbor. He's trying to live according to the royal law of Scripture, the law of liberty. Satan possesses so many devices. There is no God. There is no God. There's no God out there. Aliens are coming. And In fact, Elon Musk this week talked about that. He said, if I, if, if anybody knows whether aliens are coming or not, it should be me. Because I, I you know, with my experience and, and what he's doing with, with space technology, he said, I would know. And he said, I, uh, I would be able to say that. And I, and I see no evidence, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect that I see no evidence of there being any alien life out there in space or, or out there from a different area? And you know what the response was. Uh, he is a, an incredibly intelligent person and maybe too intelligent. Maybe Elon Musk is an alien. Uh, you know, you know, you know what, what, aliens are coming. Aliens are already here. Uh, Satan works through the, the device of animals and plants and humans are all on an equal plane. We're all sharing this world together. We all have equal value. Let's, let's uh, all get along uh, in, in terms of, of protecting the uh, all of their rights, so to speak. Not that we're not to care and tend for the garden. And, and, and the person, you, you learn a lot about person in, in scripture, as it says, by how he treats uh, his animals. But God says that mankind was put at the pinnacle of his creation. We, we, we get that. You are your own God. No, there are many gods. The power is within you. You have in essence, the spirit. And it's a matter of just tapping into that power that each of us inside has. All of these things, Satan goes at at things from a variety of different ways, depending on people's bents, uh, the way they're bent and the way they're thinking and, and the things that pull them. But the big one, brethren, the big one down the stretch, I don't think we can deny this, the big device of Satan. His main area down the stretch is the one where the individual claims that God is God and Christ is Christ, that the person claims to be a follower of Christ, the person claims to have a religion that is of Christ, and yet practices lawlessness in its teachings and its actions. False Christianity, as we look at scripture, false Christianity is the primary way that the entire world is deceived near the end. As we know, false Christianity has twisted the meaning of scripture. Satan did so from the beginning. He twisted God's words from the beginning as, as he interacted with, with Eve. We see uh, that he, he twisted scripture as he dealt with Christ, trying to tempt Christ. That, that is the way Satan works. This, this being, this human being that comes along that, that is able to do all that he does is directly receiving the power of Satan the devil. This person will be twisting the teachings. He is—he is the false prophet. He is the man of sin. And we—we we, we recognize as well that there are many out there that are striving to do what's right, but they're deceived. Their mind—they're—they're they're blinded. They're—they're they're not understanding the word of God, which for which we're very thankful that God's done for us. And they're—they're they're trying to teach what they believe is right, but they're deceived. They, they don't understand. And, and we know that God views them in, in, in that way and, and will one day open their minds. But understand that the false prophet, the man of sin, when he twists in, in his teachings and in, in the teachings of, of God's word as he twists that, he does so with intent and he does so intentionally deceiving. At the core, this being is filled with unrighteous deception and lawlessness. He walks contrary to God's law. Religion, teaching and practicing lawlessness, things that are against the law, even the twisting of scriptural meaning to do so, is going to be a key factor. Do we know, do we recognize as God's people the lawlessness that is contained in false Christianity? Can we defend can we defend the, the teachings of the New Testament and, and appropriately work through and, and analyze and be able to discru- discuss Scripture that false Christianity teaches saying that the law is done away, which in, in essence is lawlessness, an, an element at least of lawlessness. Today, is what we're going to uh, address as we look at key scriptures that false Christianity uses to teach against the law of God. How, how, How well versed are we as God's people in, in recognizing those passages and able to at least at a basic level address those as they come out those those are going to be more and more prominent i think we could also say that to some degree that there's going to be such a lack of understanding of biblical knowledge that because of all the 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 uh, miracles that this being is going to be able to do they'll they'll fall for it but for for us as god's people to what degree do we do we see those, and to what degree do we recognize how to navigate through some of these passages that we see Christianity state are, in fact, stating that the law is done away? I want to look at those today. We'll cover, we'll cover uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, Acts 10 and 11, Acts 15, Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 10, and we'll do the next four uh, Maybe next time after I do part two of the other one, but uh, we'll do we'll do that today. I am certainly no expert in this. We're going to scratch the surface. Some of you have studied this intently, and and have taught this. We've got an instructor or two here in the audience today that from which I gathered much of this information. Uh, it is it is really neat what the church has to offer. I don't know how many are are taking advantage of that, but I but. Foundation Online, Foundation Institute Online, we've got Galatians, just fantastic job there. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Acts, and uh, what was the other one? There's a fourth one that, that deals with a lot of these, these twisting of, of scriptures uh, and addresses those. I think, it's, I think it's imperative for us as God's people knowing what is coming and, and, and what is already here, what was already there in Paul's time is Second Thessalonians states. But what is coming, and for our young people, our, our, our teens, our, our young adults, our, our veterans in the faith, to be able to say, no, that, that's a wrong interpretation, and this is why. Boom. I think we need to be able to do that. I think that's part of defending the faith. I think that's part of preparing uh, adequately, being grounded in God's scripture to see that, that lack of clarity that's there, because it is of the devil. Lawlessness is of the devil. Uh, it is, is the way that he works. So let's look at these, and I, we'll, we'll go through them quickly. I took 26 minutes to go to prep that, so we'll see how far we get today. We may not get uh, all five, but let's address these. I would encourage you to do a deep dive in these. As I, I've I've done uh, some extensive looking into, but I've not done a super super deep dive into several of these, and I and I intend to do so. But it is it's a fun study. It's a fun study to look and see. Not only do these scriptures not say what false Christianity says uh, it says, but they they further. Uh, Give us that depth of understanding of the beauty of God's word and and the the connection of God's word in His law and how how is all His word all fits together so beautifully. Acts ten. This is one that uh, I was faced with in high school and it's it's one that we'll we'll cover pretty quickly, but it's it's one that that I dealt with. There was a a young lady uh, in my senior class that, I don't know how we got to talking about scripture, but uh, in in the process she knew, I don't know if she saw me eating turkey ham sandwiches or what, but she, she knew that I didn't eat pork. So we started talking about that. And she said, Acts 10, you know, shows that the that's done away. The food laws are done away. And, and in essence, that's showing how that the law is, is, is done away. Uh, and she, she cited that passage. I think most of us are very aware of that. And, and as a teen, I was so excited to just be able to see how clearly that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about this. And it's, very clear, yet she used that and had been taught that in her church, that this is a, a a marker of the New Testament showing that the law had been done away. Acts 10. Acts 10 verse, let's start in verse uh, 17. No, actually, let's look in verse 15. We'll just jump right to it. It's, the, it's the, uh, the whole vision that Peter has where he's told to arise. He sees all these different animals, uh, four-footed animals, beasts, uh, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And verse 13, a voice came, comes to him and says, rise, Peter, kill and eat this this food. Peter said to him, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And this is what uh, the young lady quoted to me. And I didn't have an answer of the reason of the hope that lay within me with meekness and fear, so I had to go back home and study. And then I had an answer for her, but anyway. Uh, it says here, uh, what God, a voice spoke, spoke to me the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. God cleansed all this, so no longer are the food laws, part of the Old Testament, Vicks 11, Deuteronomy 14, no longer are they in effect. He said this happened three times, so get the point. It's done away. The food laws are done away. Well, we know the story. He realizes as as this centurion named Cornelius, a Gentile, is is being called to the faith, one who feared God, as verse twenty two says, uh, and he in, he invites Peter uh, to to visit with him. So. Uh, As Peter was coming in, verse 25, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. And Peter said, no, 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 stand up. I'm I'm just a man, verse 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who who had come together. And then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me, God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Okay. I I the light went off. It's very clear. He's talking about human beings. He's talking about gentiles and Jews. He's talking about gentiles being brought into the faith and that they are not clean uh, they are not common or unclean. They're not an unclean animal that we we can't eat. It's not about that and now all animals are clean to eat. So he says uh, uh Cornelius says here in verse 34 days ago I was fasting until this hour and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house and stood and a man stood before me in bright clothing verse 31 and said Cornelius your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God send therefore to Joppa and call for this Simon uh, whose name is 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 Peter he's lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea when he comes he'll speak to you so I sent to you immediately and you've done well to come. Now, therefore, we're all present before God to hear all things commanded to you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and he said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. A beautiful story of of bringing Peter to uh, to the understanding of, of what God is doing, what Christ had told them they would do, to go out into all the nations and, and see these folks coming to the body of Christ, the church, uh, as as they're as they're going forward. Uh, notice here as he talks about that and explains everything to them. Uh, in in discusses the role of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice in in all of this. Verse 44, so while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. What? These uncircumcised Gentiles are are being brought to the faith as as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They heard them speak in in glossa in in various languages and and magnify God. And Peter answered, can anyone forbid what? water. The miracle here that they, they received God's Holy Spirit before they had even been baptized. But still we, we follow through with the, the principles of, of what uh, Acts 2 states. So can anyone forbid water that you should not be baptized who've received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and they asked him to stay a few days. Not talking about food laws being done away, laws being done away, talking about God is working with the Gentiles. Uh, pretty, pretty simple, straightforward truth that he goes on uh, to talk about later as, as others were concerned about what's going on, contending with him. Let's look at chapter 11, verse 17. As uh, he, he goes through and tells uh, re- recounts to these individuals what, what happened as well. If, verse 17, If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, When we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life, repentance to to eternal life, to the opportunity for, for, as they endure to the end, to receive eternal life. That's one down a few to go. Let's go to Acts 15. We need to spend some time with Acts 15. Again, I don't uh, get into it near, in nearly as, I won't get into it in as, nearly as much detail as as Mr. Johnson does and inc- I encourage you to, to watch that. But uh, the whole uh, conflict over the situation with circumcision was arising. This is a, a key passage that, uh, churches used to say that the law has been done away. Verse 5, chapter 15. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying it is necessary to circumcise them, these are these Gentiles, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And then they say that as you go through and, and look at the what happens at the, at the Jerusalem conference, and then the the, the concluding comments in verse 20 that it's clearly showing that the law has been done away and now Gentiles are required to do these four things as is talked about in verse 20. So let's back up. Let's back up and look at this and see what, what's actually being said here, what's, what's actually transpiring. Verse one of chapter fifteen: Certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, "Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved." Uh, Doc, uh, Mr. Johnson brings out the, the the issue of, of at at that time, it was in terms of the conversion process, and, and with the the Jewish the Jewish people who were part of the church, they followed the proselyte kind of. Uh, process. Uh, you know, as, as you would if you were an alien, not, not the kind of alien we were talking about later, but a, a person coming into Israel and wanting to be a part of Israel, you had to go through the circumcision process. To be, You had to, you had to be circumcised and, and follow the other things that are talked about in the law in order to then then uh, in, in the new, new Covenant, with the New Covenant, it, to then be able to go the next step to be, to be a part of, of the church of God. But you needed to go through these steps. And, and these, this, this is not some kind of a dissension here. They're, they're working behind the scenes against folks. This is what, this is what folks re- really believed should, should be happening. Uh, verse 2, uh, because again, that was, that was something that was, was taught and, and worked through in the Old Testament. So, he says at verse 2, so when Paul and Barnabas uh, had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Why, why would they have no small dispute? Well, they lived it. They, they, experienced, it. they experienced it. They experienced it as, as they were teaching. Uh, Peter had experienced it. And of course, Peter, Peter is here for this, this conference. So, Being sent on their way, verse 3, by the church, they pass through Phoenicia, Samaria, and in the process we're describing this incredible thing that's happened. And you talk about word spreading quickly uh, with the church, the conversion of the Gentiles. And they cause great joy. To all the brethren, and when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. It, it was not a, a, a super tense situation of coming in, and uh, you know, it's all it's it's all ready to just erupt, and the and the church is ready to rip apart. They're they're coming in, the folks that have, have been out uh, among uh, the various areas of of. Uh, the, the Roman Empire and, and, and working with different individuals and seeing these things in there. They're giving a report. They're talking about these kinds of things. But then it says in verse five, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, so these were believers. These weren't uh, snakes in the grass. These weren't uh, wolves in sheep's, sheep's, sheep's clothing. Yeah, S-H-E-E-P apostrophe S. Uh, they, they were not in... Uh, it, these, these folks that were working behind the scene, he brings out in, in his class that the, the term sect there, when we hear the term sect, we think a lot of times of, of a, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's this little sect here and this little sect and divisive situations. No, it, it's a group. It's a group of individuals who were, who were Pharisees who had believed and were a part of the body of Christ. They rose up because of what their understanding was, saying it's necessary to circumcise them. These people need to go through the process, as is talked about uh, in the Old Testament, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Um, Now, we we talk about the, the law of Moses, to some degree we're talking about the, the, the entirety or, of, of, or the system of laws, all of these things, the civil law, all of these things that, that encompass every aspect of that. Well, that was not Paul's experience. That was not uh, Peter's experience in what God was showing them. They had, they had begun to grasp the concept of circumcision as it was required in the Old Testament they came to see that it was a type of, of the, the New Testament reality of, uh, you know, in, in one respect, like the sacrifices that were done then to to be a type of the, the actual reality of, of Jesus Christ as the sacrifice, the circumcision now of the heart for the Gentiles it, that, that comes through the sacrifice of Christ and, and the re- receiving of the Holy Spirit uh, to understand the intent of the law. So, so, uh, but they were they were thinking that we still need to do all of this. Now, one of the elements that some talk about is this word and there. It's necessary to circumcise them and to command them. Uh, some translations render that, uh, this Greek word te, uh, meaning in addition to, or connected to, or according to. So it's necessary to circumcise them according to the law of, of Moses, uh, which, which was in the law of Moses. So the apostles and the elders came together to consider the matter, verse seven, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to the men and brethren, you know what what happened with, with this situation, as he talked had talked with them as well about Cornelius and, and Gentiles, uh, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, I think that, to some degree, speaks also to the circumcision of the heart. But God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he had, uh, had, had done with us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, there, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Now, what would uh, traditional Christianity say to that? The law, the law itself, the commandments, the Sabbath. It's it's a yoke that we cannot bear. Uh, Why are we we putting that on? Is that that the yoke that's being discussed here? Well, several passages speak to that. Keep your finger there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, why Why would Paul say this in 1 Corinthians 7 if he's talking about, this no longer matters. The commandments of God, all of the commandments of God, uh, no longer matter. First uh, Corinthians 7, verse uh, 18, just breaking into the thought, speaking specifically of circumcision, was anyone circumc- uh, called while circumcised? Well, let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. He doesn't have to be circumcised if he was called when he was uncircumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. So he's not talking about doing away with the commandments of God, with with the law of God. He's talking about this specific area here of this burden, putting them in a proselyte kind of format to go through this physical action of of circumcision in order to be a part of the body of Christ. The, the circumcision is of the heart now. They go through the baptism process. God has, we're just, we're just, Paul and and ultimately Peter here are just saying, this is what God has shown us by the things that we've seen happening. This is what God's shown us that we should do now uh, by his direct actions. So he says, now there, uh, but uh, verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So they all kept silent, and then they started listening to the the stories of Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So then James stands up. Uh, he, He uh or speaks, he may have been seated. Uh, but after this, it became silent. James answered, saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, speaking of Peter, he's declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree. Verse 16, and quoting Here from uh, Amos, I believe. After this, I'll return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I'll rebuild its ruins. I'll set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the eternal. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the eternal, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. So... Seeing uh, at least a partial fulfillment of that happening here in this time, he then says, uh, verse 19, So therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. We shouldn't trouble them with what? What should With, with what should we not trouble them? We shouldn't trouble them with the commandments of God. We shouldn't trouble them with God's laws, uh, with his teachings. With what should we not trouble them? He then goes on to say, what, the, what often those in, in Christianity uh, say, this is what is required of the Gentiles based on the calling of God and, and understanding what Jesus Christ has done for them and the faith that, that they are to have in the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This is the only thing upon which we really want them to focus. One, we write them to abstain from things polluted by idols. We, we, we tell them they need to abstain from sexual immorality. We need to tell them to, to abstain from things strangled and from blood. And boom, that's it. That, that's, that's telling us and showing us that they don't need to worry or, or be thinking about keeping the laws of God or keeping the commandments of God. Well, it doesn't match with what we just read with 1 Corinthians 7 or... Uh, or Galatians six uh, that that also uh, talks about that. So what? What's he doing here in verse twenty? Why is he saying these things? Why Why would he say that? Let's Let's address that here briefly. Again, Mr. Johnson goes into much more uh, detail about this, but in a nutshell, uh, these these four actions, uh, these four mandates that they give in in terms of of working with the gentiles they're dealing with these elements that are are so in 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 uh, in ensnared or in, enmeshed in their culture. The the culture of, of the Gentile world uh, in that area especially was filled with idolatry, uh, idols in every aspect of their lives. He mentioned one place where uh, uh, history talks about uh, in, in a city you see more idols than you do people. It's just everywhere. It was, it was a part of their lives, uh, idolatry. And, and when you're living in a world that's a part of all of this, you know, imagine imagine what we see on TV if we're just if we're if we're just watching the Super Bowl and, and watching commercials of the Super Bowl. If that's the only commercials that you and I watch all all year. We're we're somewhat numb to that. We we see these things and oh that that was outrageous. Oh okay here comes something else outrageous. Well I've seen it two or three times now so I'm used to it. I, I it's still outrageous but it doesn't it doesn't phase me. I, I'm in I'm in this world uh, of that. Imagine somebody uh, you know in 1950. That uh, you know had a certain commercial that he or she watched, or as I've mentioned before, say it's Geritol commercial on Lawrence Welk show, and then all of a sudden you're transported to uh, 2023 uh, watching the Super Bowl in commercials on that. It just wow, th- this is this is huge. Uh, th- those of us in 2023 that are watching this, it, this doesn't phase us. We see this, we're it, we're around it all the time. Well, take that and, and be the person. That's watching the 2023 Super Bowl and completely enmeshed in the world, and not see any issues with anything in commercials. We're in the church; we get that. But imagine somebody that lives in that, and then all of a sudden they're called out of that uh, to 1950 with black and white commercials, with uh, you know the the, the dish soap or, or or whatever, and that that's all all they're watching. It it, it just completely. Uh, a huge thing for for Jews who are in the church that have that have gone through the law and know the law and know all the details about God's law and what they should and shouldn't do and having the gentiles then come into this situation where this where the Jews are especially sensitive to these things that are clearly stated in God's law as, as being something not to do, what what kind of offense that would cause. So the, to alert them to these things initially, uh, to abstain from things polluted by idols, and however way that might be polluted by idols. It could be meat sacrifice, uh, sacrifice to idols or, or other aspects that have been tainted by idolatry. From sexual immorality, they were coming out of a, a, a a sexually pervasive society in 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 these Gentile nations, the culture of that, the culture of the Roman Empire, that was just filled with all kinds of sexual immorality, and and to really recognize right away th- this you <laughs> focus on this, this this will cause huge problems if we don't address this immediately. From things strangled, uh, don't know exactly what that uh, is is referencing. Some have thought that. Uh, Maybe certain ways of preparing meat of not not draining the blood killing killing an animal a certain way, and eating it uh, without uh, ridding the that animal of the blood, which was was very clearly dis, uh, distinguished in in the Old Testament, so to let them know that don 't do that, and then that last uh, Wording, I had never heard this before, but he covered this in, in in the class. This last, this fourth one, it says, "and from blood, or uh, and blood." So, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and 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 blood, or or from blood. What what is that meaning? Uh, it could be dealing with something again to the, the situation of, of taking in the blood and eating, uh, but it could be a reference to just violence that is 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 the shedding of blood. You know, think about that culture and uh, the, the entertainment that they had, animals uh, fighting people, people fighting people, killing and bloodletting, and in all of that kind of environment that was so much a part of the culture of seeing that. But come out of that. Uh, help them see that they're to come out of that. That will create a, a positive environment dealing with those four things before we, we come into, now that we're these, these Gentiles are coming into the faith and they're, they're with the Jews, now we can come in together and be this harmonious group. Uh, and it's critical that we understand these four things, that this, this doesn't cut it to be a part of the church. Mr. Johnson brings up this point, and I think this is very, very important for us to consider. Would God set up or do we see evidence of God setting up in, in Scripture uh, rules or standards for, for some people and different rules and standards for others? Do we see that? If we had that, okay, if I cut between right down the middle here and put Jared on one side and put Gene on the other side and we start working out that way... Uh, and said, you guys really only need to deal with, do these things, because of whatever your background is, and you folks really need to do these things. Uh, what, what kind of potential would we have for unity as a church? <laughs> How, it, does that, that, by its very nature, is going to create division? So that doesn't make sense, that he would be saying, oh, you, we'll just have them do this, while the other folks have to do this. But, but this is a, a passage that that Christianity says is, is absolving them from keeping God's law. Well, we come to the next passage in verse 51, uh, verse, verse 20, 21 that answers that question. So he says these four things, and then verse 21 he says, For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. The rest is going to be taught on the Sabbaths in the synagogues. They're going to come into the synagogues, these, these that are, are now a part of the faith, they're going to be coming with the Jews to the synagogue every Sabbath and being taught God's way from from." the scripture. They'll, they'll be learning these, these other principles as they come along. Not that it's going to be all done away. They're, they're going to, over time, learn these things. But initially, we got to take care of these four things in, in, uh, in verse 20. We get that as God's people. We, we get that understanding. We get that understanding of lawfulness that is not, is not evident out there in, in churches of Christianity. They don't see it that way. Very important for us as God's people to recognize that, that difference and that clarity that God gives us in understanding that this is not, this is not getting rid of the law. Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. We'll cover these last two pretty quickly. Uh, Romans six, Romans six, as we've hit this before. But Romans six comes to a, a statement After he talks about baptism and uh, the old man being crucified and coming back up, we come to this statement that uh, he, he makes at the end of verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but you're under grace. Is that a truism? If we're not under law, then we no longer need to keep the law, right? We're not under it anymore. We're not under its burden. We're not under its burden of having to keep the law, it's because we have faith in Christ. We we have received the Holy Spirit. We've received abundance, the abundance of grace, and and the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. He has justified us, so we're not under the law anymore. We're not under the burden of having to keep the law, uh, is what is is taught. Uh, we are truly not under law. We we are not. We are not under the the totality of the law with respect to the, the, when we talk about the uh, totality of the law, we talk about the teachings of the law, but we also talk about the penalties that are associated with not following the law. Uh, And we are not under, we are not uh, huponoman, we are not under the the condemnation, or we're we're not under the the penalty for having broken the law. Uh, The law is, is something that that if you break it, according to the law, if you break it, there are these consequences. And the consequences are death. The consequences are eternal death. We're no longer under the penalty for for breaking uh, God's law if we break that law. We're under grace. We've received grace. We've received the the sacrifice of of, of Christ to cover our sins so that we can uh, be in a right relationship with God and be the righteousness of God of God and the righteousness to God as we, as we live. But that, that's, we won't spend a lot of time with that, but let's look at verse 15 because Paul states here, and I I jumped right into the middle of all this, but, but Paul states here what he says there in verse 15, because he thinks, I I think he's thinking that some may take that wrongly. We're not under, we're not under law. Uh, What, what then shall we, shall we sin because we're not under the law? Or under law, but under grace, certainly not. We, we understand what sin is by the law. We, so we, we have to have the law to understand what sin is, what, what, right, what doing right is and what doing wrong is. We're not under the penalty uh, for breaking the law as, as we repent and, and utilize the sacrifice of Christ and, and, and stay under the umbrella of the, of the favor of God, his, his wonderful loving grace toward us. Very basic, but it is a critical piece that, that speaks uh, uh, volumes of, of what traditional Christianity will use to say that it's done away. One more, Romans, Romans 7, verse 5. Uh, Romans 7, verse 5. Paul, as he's talking about uh, the law that, that a woman is bound to her husband as long as her husband lives, uh, is saying that if if once the husband dies, she's free to marry another. And then he uses that analogy to talking about the law. Verse 4, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, you no longer need to keep the law. You're now married to some to, to another. You're married to Christ. The law is dead to you, meaning that you don't have to keep it. That's what that's what Christianity would, would say in this respect. You are dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who raised from the dead, that uh, who, who was raised from the dead, so that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law, see that law? It, it brings up sinful passions even. It's, it's so bad that it, it did this, uh, that we're at work in our members. It bore fruit to death. But now we've been delivered from the law. We no longer have to keep it. We can get away from the law, having died to what we were held by. So now we can serve in newness of the letter. The newness of the letter, and, and what is that? And not in the oldness of the letter. So that it's, a, it's a key passage, uh, one of the key passages that, are, that is used to say that it's done away. It's dead to us. What is it saying? Yes, the, the, the penalty of, of breaking the law, the consequences of breaking the law uh, are dead to us because we were alive in Christ. We have, been, we have been justified, we've been cleansed, we've been declared righteous. by by God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are married to another in that respect. The sinful passions we recognize uh, are sinful because of the law and the law teaches us that and we also realize that they were at work in our members to bear fruit to death but We've been delivered from the consequences of the law, the penalty for breaking law. Uh, the law, having died to what we were held by through the watery grave, the, the death that we had through the sacrifice of Christ. We, we were raised up so that now we serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter, the, the greater depth of understanding of the spiritual intent of the law. Jesus Christ uh, spoke to that in Matthew 5, the, the greater expansion of, of an understanding of the law. Uh, I hate somebody in my heart. I, I've committed murder. Uh, that's a, a spirit, the, the spirit of the law, the, the, the newness of the spirit. It's beyond just, no, I didn't happen to stab that person that day. So I haven't sinned. I hate that guy with all my heart. I hate him. I hate his guts. I hate every aspect of him. But I didn't, I didn't stab him. I didn't hit him in the teeth and, and uh, damage him, so I haven't sinned. No, if you if you hate a person in your heart, you've already uh, had that murderous kind of spirit. Same with adultery. We don't need to d- discuss those, but you can't you can't you can't have one without the other. I can I can have uh, uh, I can murder somebody as long as I don't have bad thoughts about the person. Uh, you know that that doesn't make sense. Uh, I I can have. Uh, premarital or, or uh, ad- adulterous uh, uh, interactions with with a, a person of the opposite sex, and and yet as long as I'm not thinking lustfully about her, then. Well, the the letter's done away with. So, in my, in the spirit of the law, the newness of the spirit, I really haven't sent. You you, you can't do that. It, it makes no sense. Uh, so, the it, it's an expansion of an understanding of that 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 we serve in the newness of the letter because of the transformation that's happened in us through the sacrifice of Christ. Paul says in verse seven, lest people should think that we're we don't need to keep the law anymore. It's done. Uh, or, or it's bad. The law is bad. This, uh, this thing that are, is these sinful passions that are aroused by the law. Uh, what shall we say? Then? Is the law sin? No, certainly not. On the contrary, I, I don't know sin. I wouldn't have known sin except through the law. I, I don't understand or would not have known covetousness unless the law said, you shall not covet. But it's sin. Sin takes opportunity by the commandment the sin that is in me, the nature that I have, the things that I battle. It produced in me all kinds of of evil desires. For apart from the law, sin was dead. We don't have any law, we don't have have any sin. Uh, But but with with the law, we we recognize what sin is. The law is holy, verse 12. The commandment, holy, just and good. Verse 14, the law is spiritual. I am carnal, sold under sin. Verse 22, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. So he's not, he's not doing away with the law. He's establishing the place of law in our Christian walk. It is, we, are not, we are no longer under it. We are, we are delivered from the consequences for breaking the law. These are, these are basic but they are, they are areas that are going to be attacked, uh, and, and they have been attacked, they will continue to be attacked, and they will come upon a world that has, that has unfortunately no clue uh, or very little clue of the Bible itself as we, as we near the end. We see that diminishing knowledge uh, of even the basics of the Bible uh, increasing with, with society. What about us? Are we on guard? Are we continuing to, to watch and study and, and understand the depth of God's law? And not only doing that, but also looking beyond to, to recognize some of these areas that, that have been attacked in God's word, truths that have been twisted. They're going to be twisted. And brethren, we're going, we're going to see twists that we have never seen before. But as, as, God keeps, as God keeps us and as we yield to God to be kept in, in his word, we'll be able to have that clarity that, that we need in going forward. Uh, I hope this has been helpful. Uh, these were some basic ones. We'll hit some, some more in-depth ones uh, probably two or three times from now. Happy Sabbath, everybody.